Hello, everybody. Before we start, this is Phil. I wanted to mention that um, I'm editing this one because my uh, my microphone, I uh, lost my feed a few times throughout this episode. So my parts are missing. There's nothing terribly important missing, but I did want to make sure that I thanked Sean Rollins from uh, Orlando City B, he, um, or from the mainland, rather. He covers Orlando City B for them. Uh, he gave me some good information, and that part cut out, so I wanted to make sure I thanked him. Otherwise, just ignore the parts that cut out. It's not very many. It's pretty short, and uh, thank you very much for listening. Now, please enjoy this unapproved audio clip of recently passed Tom Petty. Oh man, this is going to be a tight race to, well, time to write that eulogy for those four teams. If it happened this week in the Eastern Conference of the USL, or is playoff related, we've got you covered. Uh, I'm your host as always. Uh, they know me on the streets as Firm Handshake, Evan Valella, joined by the waviest man in the St. Louis metropolitan area. You might have seen him today in an Ikea pushing around his kids. <laughs> it's Phil Grimms. That was me. I was doing that. Spin. That was you. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that um, in your Instagram like before we went on air <laughs> as Ryan's phone goes off before he's inter- introduced like an asshole. No, that and um, that kid's been sick and, uh, with 103 like, and 104 fever, so I was just spinning that kid <laughs> around and around in Ikea, getting laughs out of him. It was very nice. It was a nice change. Is that like a new Christian science thing? Like you just spin somebody in a shopping cart and then they... Yeah, well, science says eventually I'll spin him up into heaven, so he'll be, you know, he'll be there. Right. You know. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, anyway, and uh, and that guy's phone, who you might have heard previous, uh, <laughs> Ryan Allen, the stats department of the United Soccer League, probably getting some hot scoops from Nicholas Murray or Jake Edwards or uh, or the city of Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> it has been, guys. I've uh, I missed it. you. Been a I've been gainfully recorded. employed, which is my excuse because work schedules are a motherfucker. Um, it's good to be back. Uh, Phil, I I don't want to like start on a on a bummer with you, but um, just mm. because there has been it's four teams right that have been eliminated from playoff contention as of yeah. yesterday, and one of them happens to be St. Louis. Would you like to give like a, yeah. a small eulogy for your side this year? Oh, we're digging into this this fast, huh? Whatever, it, man. It is the hot story of the day. Um, kind of a eulogy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I, don't I know. would say six teams eliminated. Six. Yeah, Jesus. we were we were sugarcoating a little bit earlier, and, and uh, it's just how I feel. I think I've been more angry with previous games than the one that finally eliminated us. I was just kind of relieved because I've been so angry after every game, waking up the next morning in a bad mood, and it's over now. Like I don't have to worry about it. I'm kind of excited to see what happens next like i can start thinking about next year now mm. which is a lot less depressing and so i think we'll talk about that a little more later yeah. perhaps but uh, probably, that's yeah, how probably. I uh, quote something that um, um evan eister who runs hey, the stats him. for the usl western conference he referred to yesterday as like bloody that. sunday for a lot of the eastern conference teams as it officially dashed the hopes of st louis pittsburgh and ottawa with harrisburg richmond and toronto yeah. already previously having been eliminated <laughs> It knocking down the teams to in contention for the final five remaining spots to six. 
meaning one team is going to be left out. Remember the- when people, Phil, I'm sorry again, thought that like St. Louis and Pittsburgh had a really good shot at the playoffs there for like a hot minute? Yeah, man, I, I do want to mention that later because... Okay, I'm sorry. I don't think that's unfounded. I don't think it's totally unfounded. I don't think it was either. No, no, no. Um, and especially not for, for either of those sides for sure. I think the way, you know everyone looked at it was that St. Louis had a couple favorable matchups really. Um, and you guys were not playing badly at a point. Um, but man, especially for Pittsburgh to be eliminated really kind of swiftly like that. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree. I can't feel good for, for those guys. I mean, I remember coming into the year, I wrote an article earlier this year comparing their ELO rating to from this season to last season. And they were the most improved club on that team. Now in terms that was improvement, that was still above a middling average in the conference, but it just—it definitely seemed like they turned things around from where they were last year to be eliminated and currently sitting in 12th place, uh, six points behind New York Red Bulls with their two matches remaining. It just seems rather at least disappointing from where they were at the start of the mm-hmm. season. Mm. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and honestly, they were a lot improved. Uh, and if I had to choose watching last year's team versus this year's team, even though this team did do a tiny bit better, I would sit, I'd rather watch this year's team lose every single game than, you know, watch last year's team do what they did. And so watching this team, it was actually a really enjoyable game. I thought there was talent. It was an interesting style of play. Um, and so I just, I'm curious about several things about the team. I guess I'm just going to jump into this now, if you guys don't mind, sure. because yeah yeah okay so i just wonder if st louis just did this thing where they were always on the front foot they were always expending full 100 percent energy the entire game and all anyone had to do was kind of pick their chances and for the most part they were able to score on us and i don't know what that was exactly that was doing that but you know i listened to a, a breakdown of that um borussia dortmund versus real madrid game in the champions league and they were kind of talking about how uh, Dortmund just has this one style of play for the most part this year where they're just trying to get that ball in behind. And if Aubameyang is having a bad day, mm. there's no other real plan. And so and so they're just trying to do... Christian Pulisic. It, it's not like it's the... Yeah, exactly. It's not like they're trying to get, you know, they're trying that high or that low percentage goal every time, all game long. Yeah. And I feel that way about St. Louis. And, and I think that was part, just a small part of why they didn't give themselves as, as good of a chance. Uh, and so, you know, we well, could go and, on about all the problems, but that's one, I think. So, so I think the two things that kind of relate to that about the teams trying to get a, a ball in behind, I think that's um, why everyone got really nervous when when Pep Guardiola at, at City wasn't producing and, and I think it's even even teams that try to play like that that very like pass heavy possession heavy you know pass it to death and then pass it one more time and then it's in the net um, kind of play is that when it doesn't work you kind of get picked apart it's that work smarter not harder kind of thing yeah Um, And so, you know, I I admire a team that runs for all 90 minutes and, and, you know, that busts their ass to go out and and get results and try to get points and and be on the front foot and and raise the tempo of a game. But I think you see smarter teams do that 
and they'll they'll go out, they'll be on the front foot, they'll get their goal, and then they'll take the 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 foot off the gas in a way, like literally, mm-hmm. like they'll stop running as hard, they'll play smarter passes, you know, things like that. Um, well, I mean, if you go back through the so, teams in the Eastern Conference, the ones towards the top, your Charlestons, your Rochesters, yeah. they had lower possession. We've talked about it on previous occasions on the show, that they prefer to sit back and let the other team run around, and as long as they get that one goal or those two goals, they would be fine taking that result because three points is three points in the end, whether you win by six or win by one. Yeah, yeah it's it's almost like it was St. Louis was enabling all these other teams to do what they were doing, you know, playing to their strengths, unfortunately, by doing what they were doing. My, well, my other thought was, as good as this team was too, as much improved as they were, they were playing such a harder style of play to be successful that it was almost negated. You know, it was almost equalized. So, yeah, like I said, it was fun. It was more fun to watch. But how were we going to win with that style of play all year long if we didn't have depth and even a higher, uh, higher player? Uh, what am I trying to say? Higher talent level within the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look Among at many, the many other things. current roster with just Christian Valeski and Seth Rudolph, obviously, with Jose Angulo leading to OKC earlier this year, those two were um, combined with Valeski and Rudolph for 15 goals on the year. No other player on the team had more than two. It seemed like it was built mm-hmm. up a lot with mm-hmm. players at the top uh, rather than at least spreading the ball around. If you look at a team such as... Uh, Louisville's a really good example of this, of spreading the goal scoring around with Luke Spencer leading it with 10, but you also have Brian Ombi, uh, Mark Anthony Kay. It was just a lot of other good players that had scoring threats. Yeah, well, and that's what they wanted. They wanted that. you know. And they, he built this squad. His style is based around everyone contributing. And so the fact that what you said there, Ryan, was spot on with the stats, this is proof that, that you know what you're doing and that stats can tell you something. It's definitely true from the inside that he was looking for those wingers to score more often, and they didn't. They hardly, except for Seth, hardly anyone was scoring regular, regular goals, not even four, like you said, which you'd like to see from a winger. And so we just weren't getting those goals off the edge, and, and they realized part of it was they didn't build as athletic a squad as they thought and it wasn't as athletic as it needed to be so that was a big struggle early on we weren't getting someone to hold the ball we were possessing the ball and we'd get a few passes in and then it'd get stolen away and countered and goal you know i mean this was the constant thing all year they found out there were there were a few shortcomings in the team that they built and there wasn't much to build on from the beginning as there was no one returning from last year so you know, all those things are many negatives about literal mistakes that St. Louis ma- uh, made. Um, no excuses in that regard, really. Well, and, and there wasn't a lot of luck either for you guys. Not that that's like a, a super tangible thing, you know, or that's anything that you can point towards and go, oh, yeah, you know, if only they brought in, you know, X, Y, or Z. But um, more often than not in games, you know, I, I think it was you guys conceding late. Um, and, you know, sometimes I think uh, the game against Bethlehem that you and I talked about um, a couple times that week, you know, James Chambers scores a late goal. And um, if he doesn't hit that, you know, as, as sweet as he does, it's a different story. So, um, you know, it's a combination of all those things. And then sometimes you have to have a little bit of luck and, and, and you know, nothing really going right for, for you guys towards the, the end. Also, consistency has been a, a big thing as well. Yeah, um, Just looking at your last five uh, you know, draw, loss, win, draw, loss. So, 
Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it. The consistency was pretty harsh. A lot of late draws and losses, a lot. And so yeah. um, to some degree, that's luck. 10 to 20% of the time, maybe that's true. Um, and then the rest, I think, is just focus, maybe coaching, maybe the, I mm-hmm. don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's the other intangibles, really, at that point. And, and part of it, I think, is that belief. You know, the, the, yeah. you go, all right, we're going to go in and we're going to get a, a point here against Tampa Bay, you know, or, or we're going to go in and we're going to take the game to Rochester or something, you know. Yeah. Just kind of that that sort of the more human side of things that I think makes kind of those great coaches um, that we see in this league, you know, um, Mike Jeffries, James O'Connor, um, you know, Coach Brant in Pittsburgh is another guy that comes to mind. Obviously, the results aren't always there for him. Um I'm biased, but, you know, Brendan Burke with Bethlehem, um, John Wolniak in, in New York, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of guys there, um, Alan Coach, and I could, I mean, it's, it's most of the guys, but yeah. a lot of those guys have a knack for getting their players to, to buy into results. Um, I think kind of the most evident example of that was FC Cincinnati's Open Cup run. Um, yeah, me. But I think that's kind of a huge part of, of coaching in this league. It's a huge part of coaching in any league. You have to buy into what the coaches believe in or is, is what they're preaching. If the results aren't on the field and the coach is still preaching the same thing, it feels like something that the players would very quickly at least, uh, I mean, would get displeased with the coaching style or or would lose confidence in the abilities of the tactics being put out. I mean, I was going back through Cincinnati or St. Louis's season and the longest winning streak that they had were three in a row at the start of the year where they beat Ottawa and New York Red Bull two at home, both by a result of three to two, and then went on the road to beat Pittsburgh two one, but then past that there was no other or at least string of matches where they had more than two wins consecutively or at least two unbeaten matches. Yeah, and, and as you go through the season, everyone knows that Preki asks a lot of his guys in training, mm-hmm. and he picks his lineups based on who's doing well in training. Okay, that, there's good and bad sides to that, but as you lose and lose and lose and draw and draw and draw, and you're also asking 110% out of your guys every single week, at what point do mm-hmm. they stop trusting you and saying, this isn't worth my physical effort and time Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. I'm going to end this season losing my stock as a player is going to go down, you know, all these things combined. How, how could St. Louis have faith? St. Louis players have faith in Precky by the end of this season. And what do they think of him? Have they lost? Has he lost the locker room? There are a lot of rumors going around. None of which will I say on air here because who knows if they're true. Uh, But things, in the rumor mill world, this is as much as I'll say, is are not good um, within the St. Louis yeah. locker room. And that, and that's, I have no idea if that's true. I'm going to try to talk to some players and find out. And if even if I know, I don't know if I can say anything, but I'm just really curious, as we all are sure. in this situation, what on earth is going on behind scenes? I mean, I can look back through St. Louis's season, and I, there are at least two wins that stand out to me as like signature Victories, and it would either be um, St. Louis Midsummer Clash against Charleston, where they ended up beating them one nil, or that four to three triumph over Tampa, uh, which was another at least very big win for St. Louis at the time. But with two matches remaining, one against Richmond and one on the road with Bethlehem, the team still has a chance to impact the conference as a whole by playing the spoiler 
at least for Bethlehem's season as they still go towards a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, they would step it up against the harder teams. That was easy to see. Mm-hmm. They looked crazy good against the fire. I mean, I couldn't believe how good they looked. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, even in the, some of the games, they looked amazing against some of the tougher opponents. It was just there was always that disappointment somewhere along the line. Uh, Ryan, any other, I don't know, like, like props or, or just kind of, you know, memorials for any of the teams that got dropped from, from playoff contention this, this last week? I mean, we I touched based on Pittsburgh at least earlier in the uh, show, basically saying they are improved. I feel like the future is bright for them. That Brant is taking them mm-hmm. in the correct direction. But for any league, it's gonna or for any new coach, it'll take time to implement their system, implement their their tactics and everything. I feel like hey, give it another season and they'll still be a good team. I feel like borderline playoffs as well. And I guess. Uh, memorialized to the Ottawa Fury who I felt like when they came into the league this year they were or not many people knew much about what they were going to be some were predicting they would be a solid playoff team others were saying borderline was a very with a slim amount saying they'll be crashing out of or they wouldn't even be in the playoffs and it just seems strange like if you look and compare them to their NASL counterparts of Tampa or a fellow expansion counterpart in Reno who that they seem to be one of the more disappointing sides this season that they had talent to make the playoffs and to find themselves in 13th place with two matches to go, it seems like they were underperforming in what they were hyped up to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's it's a little unfair to them maybe because the class they came in with is so strong. Um, especially when you looked at the Rowdies, you went, all right, they, they might walk over the league. Who knows? Um, and then Reno even, you know, they, they made some smart moves. They brought in the right guys, and they're sitting second in the West right now. Well, joint second in the West right now. Um, but, uh, you know, and their goal differential is fucking 33, which is incredible. Like how... They you, send a new scoring record at 69 right now. Right, nice. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, leave it to this guy. No, um, yeah, and, and you know what? Even one, and uh, I, I do not like doing this, so here everybody goes. Feel free to record this again. Um, Harrisburg have really surprised me in the last month. Uh, five straight, win, draw, win, win, win. Um, and it's it's actually really unfortunate that it's all for naught because they're mathematically eliminated, but they're right in there. Um, you know, it took them... And it's especially impressive coming after... Yeah. Yeah, coming after an eight-match winless right. skid, including Matt, uh, including two fixtures previously to end that, where they lost a combined eight to two against Louisville and yeah. Tampa. Yeah, and um, you know, kudos for Papa Mensa as well, getting a, a preliminary call up to the Ghanaian uh, men's national team side. So, um, you know, things like that, little runs like that, you know, as a player that can kind of give you some pride in playing is 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 huge. Um, good for them. And yeah, Pittsburgh, you know, if they don't have the, that ridiculous, unfortunate litany of goalkeeper injuries, I think they're in a playoff spot, you know, for um, Broom to go down and then Mitchell's, you know, hurt and, and the guys on Mongols were, oh, you know, it's a little shoulder thing, it's nothing serious, and then uh, he's out for the year. Um, and then Hunter Gilstrap has to play as a backup, you know. Um, yeah. Gentlemen, that being said... The, uh, the more interesting race is for these last, like, two or three spots here. 
for those unaware, yeah, the top three clinched. Yes. Yeah, Charlotte, Charleston, and Louisville are all in. From there, it gets a little interesting. Um, Tampa Bay is in fourth on 46. Then you have Rochester in fifth on 44. Cincy uh, in sixth with 43 points. Orlando City B with 42. Red Bull with 41. Bethlehem in ninth with uh, with 40. Um, the problem being uh, Tampa, Rochester, and New York, and Bethlehem of 29 games. So an extra game there for those four teams, and that might be the difference because looking at Orlando City right now, I'm not optimistic for their chances. I mean, Orlando City faces, uh, with only two matches left, they face two teams that are in the heart of this playoff race, Tampa and New York Red Bull, too. And then if you look over at other sides, like Cincinnati, they have a very favorable schedule as they do a Canadian swing to finish out the year against Ottawa and Toronto. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I could you could easily say with confidence, Tampa, Rochester, and Cincinnati are safely in. And for those final two spots, it's going to come down to Bethlehem, Orlando City B, and defending champion New York Red Bull too. Yeah, um, I, I think the seeding is going to be interesting because Bethlehem, you know, they're only three points off of Cincinnati. And with that win, that would put them above the orange and the blue, which would be interesting. And would bump Cincinnati down to seventh and would right. have them match up with Charleston in the first round. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. right. So, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot at stake for all these teams. Um, I think Bethlehem... Yeah, I'm biased. Whatever uh, has the easiest road in. If I'm, if I'm completely honest, um, I I don't know them and them and Rochester have really good matches when they play each other, but a draw there wouldn't be bad. And then finishing with St. Louis isn't exactly giving me you know heart palpitations. Um, I really do think it is going to come down to Orlando City and Red Bull uh, this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it'll be really be interesting to see what section. happens there. On Wednesday, yep. there's a Red Bull in Tampa, and I feel like a, a win there would definitely help submit Tampa or New York Red Bull's place and would potentially even bump them up to the race for even fifth place, maybe even fourth place if they can reel in because if a win would bring them from 41 up to 44, leaving them tied with, or in fact, above Rochester on a tiebreaker of wins because they'll have 13 if yeah. they beat Tampa, and Rochester would only have 11. Yeah. I don't know, Phil. What are you, what are you feeling here? Um, you know, I I don't know. I think I am focusing more on Orlando City B and New yeah. York Rebels too. Um, I haven't had faith in Rebels too, and and here they have been coming, looking better. Orlando City kind of faltered shortly, so I was I was just looking back. I I got an email. I sent an email out to one of the guys in the mainland, um, the SB Nation podcast. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. website rather and he sent me a list of you know all the guys that um all the guys that they do and don't take with them from the eight from the top team down you know the ones that they drop down and play there like when orlando came to st louis they didn't bring really anyone you know and and i think st louis won that one i might be either won or or drew that one and so sounds right so that's the thing to keep an eye on orlando like Okay, thank you. I thought we won it, um, but I had my doubts for obvious reasons. Um, but they, <laughs> they, um, they, they didn't look good against us up there, and so I think we'll have to watch and see 
Is or does does Orlando care about USL playoffs? If they do, they might send some of those guys down to try to take the win there, and then we can have that debate about those rules. Um, right, right. Uh, but definitely, Dom Dwyer with a brilliant return to form for Orlando go. City B in the United Soccer League. <laughs> Drop him down. Uh, in, like, so USL watch that and let's and talk about MLS it. When it happens. Happening. He scores another five goals and a half, or whatever the hell that was, when no one cared about the USL. Kaka adds um, another piece of silverware to his luxurious history yes yeah yeah um only in the usl though dom only in the usl i know you listen to the podcast <laughs> no uh it'll be interesting because i think both those teams have the same philosophy and that they drop a lot of guys down if they have to um and they yeah. might both decide that they have to i don't know but do they have to because they want their guys to get minutes or playoff time or do they do it because they care about the playoffs i'm interested you know uh we'll never yeah. know but Maybe they pull more the first one than the second one, but I think there's pride involved in a way. Pardon the pun. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, they saw what happened last year with two MLS two sets making the finals, so it's not unheard of to see success at in for MLS two sets at this level. And maybe they pull a low dose from 2015, where they almost just stack their roster with at least MLS bench players to help kind of tip the odds in their favor. Or I know SP or Swope Park Rangers in the West could definitely go through a really good loan system yeah. to build them up for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, even go for it. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Sean. Um, even like Bethlehem in the last couple of weeks, you look at one of the big impact guys for them, um, Adam Neum, who's a first-team guy. pulling the strings in the midfield so um or you know jake mcguire is there from the first team and Derek jones so it's it's not uh it's not unheard of um for for these teams to to experiment especially uh, orlando city b has a bit of a reputation for being the team that, that fluctuates their mls guys the most so that'll be interesting for sure they um, did have the um highest number of players used yep yeah. um let's see what else we got going on here Oh, uh, hey, Romario Williams gets another call-up for Jamaica. Um, it's basically just status quo for him at this point, right? There's there's at least like a, a, a A or B on the multiple-choice question there for Charleston. <laughs> like, it's not just, oh, it's going to be to Romario and, like, good luck stopping him. Like, there's at least a, an out where they're like, we might play a through ball. You never know. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Isn't that terrifying? That's terror. That has to be terrifying, right? Like I, uh, um, after so so a bit of a history lesson. Uh, Brendan Burke, the the Bethlehem Steel head coach, has co- has coached uh, Corey Herzog pretty much like since he was sixteen. He said up until he got his like BA um, in, in college, and uh, you know he said, oh, you know Corey got a goal, um, to which I quickly replied with, well, when doesn't he? Um, to which you know Brendan Burke knowingly laughed at me and and you know kind of cried a little bit at the thought of. Corey Herzog being unable to not score which by the way um, oh just real quick um, guys I'm trying to be kind of like on the low radar optimistic about getting into the playoffs here but at the same time I do remember another game late in the season from last year where Bethlehem played Orlando City B and only needed a point and couldn't get it so as two outsiders uh, for myself how are we feeling about Bethlehem Steel's chances here I think it's just that thing they've had all season, which is, you know, 
you think they're gone, you think they're done, or you think you got them. And then at the end, they kind of just pull it out. Um, and so yeah. I, I wouldn't shut them down at all. I feel like they have a little more gumption than New York Red Bulls, and they probably care more than Orlando City B. So that's what I would give them mm. is exactly that. Mm. And is, it, is that a leadership thing too? Uh, coach. That's, I sincerely think it's coach and youth, like I've been saying all season. I really think it's right. those two things right. t- combined. Well, and, and I think the X Factor, and I think it's crazy that there hasn't been more, and maybe this is partly my fault because I'm the guy that writes about the fucking team, but, like, James Chambers is is 30, he's Irish, he hates losing. These are general things I know about him. Um, yeah, he, yeah, and, he, and, he's, and he's a little bit grumpy. Perfect. Um, dad. He's and dad. I think that has a lot to do with it, is, is that that team every, every week has a guy who doesn't care about MLS, really. You know, that's not what he's there for. Um, this is his ceiling, if I'm honest. Um, and he's here to, to make the most out of it. And to develop those guys. Like, I think he takes a lot of pride in developing Derek Jones and, and Anthony Fontana and, to a lesser extent, Austin Trusty. You know, but, but at the same time, I think it's every week he wants to make sure that these guys are playing their all for this team, regardless of where they're from. And I think that's had a huge impact on the, on the players. Well, imagine a team full of young guys like we talked about, and right. then that guy who is like either the father figure or he's mm. that, that middle management guy that's been around and you don't want to let the guy down, and he's on mm-hmm. the field working just as hard as you, pushing you, and he's the guy you don't want to let down or have to look in the eye after you make a, you miss a miss a sh- an easy shot or you make that right. that turnover that is that speaks volumes to have that combination because you put him on St. Louis full of you know there's plenty of guys over 25 on that squad um, you know you screw up with Chambers and he gets really pissy mm. and you just say well screw you James I'll mm. get it next time you know there's a big difference between those yeah, things yeah I mean I'm feeling very confident with Bethlehem um, so far this year, or at least with their remaining schedule of you know, Toronto SC to Rochester and St. Louis, I think that's at minimum you get seven points out of those fixtures, and that would put you easily in a playoff spot. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the season, and at least you're in a better position than New York Red Bull two and Orlando City B, which is the two th- two clubs I think will come down to the final two spots in the Eastern Conference. And when they face each other, that's going to go a long way in determining where the seeds will be. I feel like the playoff picture for these will be, as it was last year, completely finished on the final day of the season. It's the way we like it. It's because it has to be, though, isn't it? I hope so. Yeah, it would have to be that way. Both teams play on a Saturday, and then there are a few matches on a Sunday. Oh, right on. Okay, Uh, I didn't know what you meant. I was like, well, yeah, it's the last week of the season. Like, of course it's finished. Like, Bethlehem St. Louis is a Sunday one, and I feel like the picture will be officially set after gotcha. that Sunday one rather than mm. after the Saturday fixtures. Cool. Mm. That's that's cool to play for the win. You got to play for the win on the last day. At like home that. again, Ugh. by the way. Pitch invasion. Same thing last year. I'm sure there's a couple of guys in that locker room that are going to know how that feels. Oh, man. I want, um, I want St. Louis to play the kids, so I don't know. <laughs> it may not be that exciting. Hey, man, you, you saw what that what that did for us when we were at your park, so I don't, I don't know. Or no, better yet, um, when you played all the young guys against Pittsburgh and still what drew. Oh, Mike really enjoyed yeah, that. I thought I'd bring it up for him. He might uh, listen to this. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> I can talk about that all day. Um, anyway, so uh, so the league that's the, themselves, the USL Communications Department, hello, uh, hello Nick, 
um, have started to do their I, I player of the year, coach of the year kind of stuff. It's like a top five. Um, so I, I tasked Ryan to figure out how that would look for us as far as we're concerned. Um, so we're going to run down the yeah the Eastern. Well, because we don't, I don't know. There's there's only one conference. Um. So we're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna Detention. run down the list, and then if you guys just want to kind of give your 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 guy, if you will, um, then we can we can move move on from there. I'd like to get through this decently quickly. So here we go. Um, we will start with the uh, with the the back as you do uh, goalkeepers. So uh, Earl Edwards Jr. from Orlando City, uh, Cody Mizell for the Charlotte Independence, uh, Angelo Cavaluzzo from TFC2, Mitch Hildebrandt from FC Cincinnati, and Tomas Gomez for the Rochester Rhinos. Um, Real quickly, I want to say with the yes. list of players we have right here, these are the ones that I chose out for the list that I that at least stuck out to me for talking on and then that we would narrow it down to. So I try to grab a player from at least every team to be recognized. Yes, everyone is represented here. Not in each category, but you know there is one guy from each team that does make an appearance. Yeah, it is. It is good. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm you. actually really happy with this list as well. Um, so I guess I'll start. Um, oh God, the East. I think. I think there's an honorable mention for Angelo Cavaluzzo for doing the most with the least, right? But I. You, I'd agree. You really. You really. Really just can't ignore Mitch Hildebrand here again. I would have to disagree. I'd go with Earl Edwards Jr. Sure. on this one. I feel yeah. like he is one of the top players in the conference. I mean, yeah, barring Mitch Hildebrandt has 93 saves in his first, but I still feel like results matter more, and if you pair 73 saves uh, for a little junior with the second most clean sheets at nine, and it really elevates that he's done very well down in Orlando City, or B, and uh, I mean, even Thomas Gomez of Rochester who had 10 clean sheets, he only had 39 saves, so that maybe highlights more so that the defense was just very good in Rochester. Whereas mm-hmm. if you look at Orlando City yeah. B, it shows more so that uh, um, Earl Edwards Jr., is really, his abilities really stuck out there rather than Hildebrandt, who had arguably the best defender in Harrison Delbridge on his background yeah. being able to help him out. Yeah. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, who knows who was rotating through Orlando City, mm. too, who was in front of him, you know, and he's he's organizing those guys no matter who's up there, so um, that's impressive as well. You could say the same about Cavaluzzo, probably. But, to a lesser um, extent, though, so I, I really think Toronto plays the yeah. kids when they're, when they're in two. And I want to say, I just, I actually, my favorite has been Mizell all year. He's been really watch, solid. So, I mean, yeah. that's a good team offensively as well, but him being back there never hurts. Um, mm-hmm. For sure. Moving on to defenders, um, I forgot about the guy that I'm going to pick, which is unfortunate. Uh, it's Forrest Lasso uh, for, for Charleston, <laughs> Joel Johnson for Charlotte, Walfall for Rochester, uh, Sean Tots for, for Louisville, Harrison Delbridge for Cincinnati, Jamal Jack for Pittsburgh, and, uh, and Brandon Aubrey for Toronto FC2. Uh, guys, I forgot about Walfall. I, I didn't know I, uh, I can't crap. believe that he's a defender, for one. Because every year, I think that dude puts up at least five goals. He scored eight this year, leading the That's Rhinos crazy. in goals. Had 23 chances created and 50 interceptions. If we were building 
and like how Major League Baseball still gives a Silver Slugger award to the best National League yes. pitcher. If we were giving out an award for the best offensively minded defender, defense, it would go to Wall. Yeah. It would go to Wall Fall because he has <sighs> more goal because he leads the Rhinos in goals. It was and that's with his midfielders oh and forwards on the team. It's just fantastic. But if we were going, oh my over, gosh! But like I said, with um, mentioning Matilda Brandt earlier, if we were going based off of overall position, I'm gonna have to side with Harrison Delbridge of mm-hmm. Cincinnati. He is easily one of the most solid defenders in the league. With the um, team of the weeks I did earlier in the year, he always remained as a constant on the back line, and and I. But, I believe he's just one of the reasons why they've been successful on defense this year. I mean, 125 clearances, 20 blocks, 102 interceptions, 52 tackles alone. This is only Jamal Jack of Pittsburgh, of the players we listed, had more clearances on the year. It's just hard to overstate what Harrison Delbridge has done this season. Yep. And, and, And him and Barry are stupid together. I don't... Like, I still don't understand, again, sorry, biased, but I, I don't understand how anybody scored on that team, let alone Bethlehem getting two wins from them, because that's just a, <laughs> a solid team top-down, but defensively and, and in net, I, I, you know, that's, and we've, I mean, we've literally seen it. That's a team that can beat MLS teams. Yeah. Took down two in the Open Cup. Yep. And defense was a big, big part of that. Yeah, they were able to sit back. Yep. Phil, who you got? Who you got? Who you got? Who you got? I, I, it's hard to pass up Wallfall. That's really impressive. I mean, Is that's it? completely standout. You know, I, I can't pass that up. That, Forrest that Lasso one, was my favorite throughout the early part of the season. Sure. Man, Wallfall. That's I, impressive. Fall, like, literally just jumps off the page at you. And and it's not like Ryan put Wallfall at the top or anything. He's in the middle. Yeah. But you see, <laughs> you see eight goals, team leader Rhinos, and you're like, wow, that's – A, that doesn't – bode well for your forwards for one um i know they lost like both of their big name ones in dos santos and um and valeski but man you know for a defender to get almost 10 on a year is, is crazy but the fact that rochester is still in the playoffs is still it, it speaks lengths about their, yes. their solidness on defense i mean i'll have to go back through in the standings to check about how many goals he gave up or and scored this year or, I mean, they gave up 27 goals on the year, which is the lowest in the Eastern Conference, only followed by uh, Orlando City at 28 and Louisville City at 29. Yeah, 27, mm-hmm. that's second lowest in the league because San Antonio gave up 21, but that's also having Restrepo in goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. Midfielders, and, and not to slight any of the other gentlemen on this list uh guys it's it's enzo martinez or jorge herrera here enzo yeah yeah it's enzo i mean aside from conversion rating you look at all the other categories of goals shots shots on target and chances created he leads jorge herrera and all of those and enzo martinez is leading the golden boot race in the eastern conference and it's tied with dan kelly for that in the league currently I mean, 91 shots in, of this on the year, 53 shots in target, 35 chances created. It's just it's hard to overstate how important Enzo Martinez is to the Charlotte. And this isn't going anything against Jorge Herrera, who is equally just as important to Charlotte, scoring 12 goals on, on a high conversion rate of 31. 
and just as many chances created at 34. It's just mm-hmm. Enzo has been the focal point of the Charlotte offense this year. Phil, I, I think the USL has a weekly bet that, you know, they they just can't put Enzo Martinez in the in the team of the week or, you know, in the <laughs> in the voting for player of the week because they'll just win every week. Um, I don't remember a week where this guy didn't make news in some way, shape, or form when he played. Yeah, it's a good point. A good that point. being said, let me actually give credit to the other guys on this list, other than Enzo and Jorge. Uh, Oscar Jimenez as well Dude, was like the, the driving force for that Louisville offense. Leads really. the Eastern Conference in chances created for um, Louisville, and this guy following it is second place in the Eastern Conference in chances created. Yep, uh, Kevin Kerr. I don't think Corey Herzog makes as much noise as he does this season, or just in general, without Kevin Kerr. No, um, no. Those guys have a really bizarre understanding of each other, um, in a good way, for sure. Um, Could Justin say the same Portillo. Thing about Enzo, right? It's tr- uh, yeah, 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 for sure. But I, I think it's it, it's more impactful with Kerr and, and Herzog, just because. Yeah. That's pretty much Pittsburgh's entire off. I mean, most of Pittsburgh's offense. Yeah. Um, Justin Portillo as well, another guy under the radar. But, you know, 1,500 passes on the year is, is ridiculous. Um, as well as six goals and six assists. Leads the Eastern Conference uh, Brian, passes. Yep. Uh, Brian Ownby, another guy, probably um, could have had a better season, but, you know, four goals on 44 shots. And 36 chances created, not bad. Um, Fred Wusso Sakiri, I would love to see what he does with better talent around him, playing for a pretty stripped Richmond team. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Marcel Schaefer. Thank you, Matt, for money use subs for the for the tip. But uh, the former Wolfsburg man, nine assists, uh, acclimating to life in USL uh, very easily. Um, just, just deadly. Converted uh, right back, too, I think. Uh, left wing back, if I'm not left mistaken. wing back yes. with Wolfsburg. Yes. So not not a huge jump, but um, mm-hmm. definitely you know fun to watch for sure. Good pickup for the Rowdies. He would just shine. He would just shine above everybody else suddenly in a game where you're just like, holy yeah. crap, that guy. He gets a ball, and then you're like, all right, now that's yeah. how you know he can. He, it's he's unbelievable. Here. And yeah. he always seemed to be the go-to for uh, free kick specialists, and part yes. of the reason why he had so many assists were crosses into the box. Or oh, yeah. any cross in a corner he took, and just one of the more solid players here in, in the yep. Eastern Conference. But behind Enzo Martinez, sorry, go ahead. And and just very responsibly, responsible defensively as well. Um, yeah. I, I think kind of the, the peril for a lot of those guys that are very good attacking-minded defensemen is that they get caught up field a lot. But Schaefer, you know, doesn't strike me as that type, and maybe that's credit to the organization that the Rowdies' defense. But you know, he seems like interceptions he, on the year for Schaefer. Yeah, he's he's given you know a long leash, and that's justified. Well, and he was a wing back, so he's used to right, getting right. forward and getting his ass back. So yeah, you know, I, I mean, I guess I guess just at his age, I was I was kind of like, all right, maybe, yeah, but you know, true, proves true, me true. wrong. Um, How hard is now, it? Also, though, yeah, like mid. Yeah. It's impossible to pick the best midfielder, right? It is. Because midfielders are, they're given the job, they're given so many jobs, you know, they do so much, yes. 
And it's like, which stat do you want to pick for a midfielder? Because it, mm. it, if you want to combine them all and find an average, you know, like it is impossible to nail down what makes a midfielder the best, you know, let's say, because, man, I sure. think we could do a top 10, a top 20, and still keep going with right. awesome midfielders for different reasons right. and different categories. So, And even the role they play on the team of either an attacking midfielder or a defensive midfielder. Exactly. I mean, the players I listed here were more based off of their offensive production to the team, but we it can't be overstated how important they these guys are when they play on defense. Like we mentioned, Marcel Schaefer, and other various defenders here in the Eastern Conference, Fred Wusisikiri is another decent one and mm. for Richmond. But it, like you said, Phil, it's a thankless job, and a lot of the best midfielders are at least the ones who can do two-way defense or two-way offensively and defensively. Yeah. Um, now bear with me. This is a bit of a longer list because there's so many good ones. Forwards. I will start with Romario Williams for Charleston. Uh, GB Fall for Cincy, Danny Koenig for Cincy, uh, Georgie Haristov for Tampa, Corey Herzog for Pittsburgh, Corey Burke for Bethlehem, uh, Rapapa Mensa for Harrisburg, Steven Dos Santos for Ottawa, Haji Berry for Orlando City B, Seth Rudolph for St. Louis, Junior Flemings for Red Bull 2. Um, I, I'm going to give credit to Danny Koenig. I think when Cincinnati signed him, everyone went, wow, that was unnecessary. <laughs> and uh, he's he's made the most of it, for sure. 10 goals and 28 shots for a ridiculous 35.7% conversion rate. Um, and then I, I also think in terms of guys that have meant the most to teams, um, Steven Dos Santos, Rapapa Mensa, and Corey Burke all get some, some mentions from me here. I mean, go back Especially to your, down this stretch recently for Mensa and Burke. I'd agree. I mean, to go back to your comment on Koenig, I have said in previous parts of the season that I, I'm arguing, even though he's had three more games than, than GB Fall, that he's been a better striker for FC Cincinnati mm. this year than Fall has been. I mean, you look at the stats, yes, he has less or one less goal, but on 28 shots total, that's as many shots as GB Fall has had, he's gotten 16 of them on target. At ten of which have been have been goals, a conversion rate of thirty five point seven percent. It's really hard to argue, or at least overstate how much Koenig has been to help FC Cincinnati. But I I would say my pick for forward of the year. It's hard to argue against Romario Williams and just overstate how important he is to the team. I mean, we saw when he left for the Gold Cup in July. Charleston went on a seven match winless streak. And when he returned, it still took him a little bit. But even in the start of the year, he was very important to the side. Phil, two things. One, um, uh, just a fun fact about Danny Koning is he's bitten 100% less people than GB Fall has this year. <laughs> 100%, and, yeah. T- yeah, 100% less people. <laughs> um, it's like none of the people have been bitten by Danny Koning. Um, <laughs> thank you again for the shirt, Queen City Warpigs. Two, um, Phil, remember when when you and I and even Ryan, I'll throw here just because I'm throwing us all under the bus. Uh, we got a we got a lovely question from someone asking if if Charleston would be okay without Romario Williams during the Gold Cup. We all said that they'd be fine, and we were kind of I mean we're right because they're okay now, but like we were wrong because they sucked for a while. They weren't okay. Wrong yeah, the they time. were very not during okay. The time we were wrong. Yeah, now we're right again, so it works out because we're well, right. But we well, were the problem wrong. was they were down some other guys that were really important to them. It's true. They're yeah. they're number ten and uh, their left winger, and I, I'm again gonna forget their names as always. That's but 
you know, that's that's rehashing, but they were down those guys in our defense, but they've made some changes too. So, yeah, yeah, I don't think there's a way to judge whether we were right or wrong completely. It's just too many different variables. Diplomatic answer, Phil. I like it. I like it. It was diplomatic, wasn't it? It was I have very, a couple it was very... things to say about this list, if you don't mind, too. Sure, go um, for it. Light on me. I want to say when GB Fall came into games against St. Louis, and I don't know, he seemed to have St. Louis's number, so that may be it. But when he came in, St. Louis just freaked the F out. I mean, because they thought he was going to bite them. Well, <laughs> no, no. First of they all, they were like, oh, they, God, no, it's this guy. I think they hated him, but um, they. I mean, I would hate a guy that scores that much, too. Uh, there you go. But he would just come in, and you'd see chaos. If he got the ball. You'd see two or three St. Louis defenders run at him just to stop him frank- mm-hmm. frantically, and that would leave all these guys open. It was really bad the other day when he came in. When <laughs> we were up 2-0, it was just gross. It was it was hard to watch, but he you, has... You a, still sound very uh, not at peace with how that worked out. I he guess I did defense, say uh, that was feeling <laughs> better now, but maybe I don't feel better. But we were, like, we I were guess up my 2-0, point is, and, you, and you said it like that, which was bizarre. I've I never know. heard you talk like that. I'm well, sorry. okay. <laughs> but, but he came on, and, and he wasn't just good at like getting in the air. Like The dude's faster than he looks. He finds open yes. guys when he's covered yes. up with two or three defenders. He was really impressive. He's still got it. So he's still got a future ahead of him in the next couple of years, perhaps, in this mm-hmm. league or one similar to it. Um, but I also wanted to say, what what would Steven Dos Santos do on a team like Cincinnati? Like his on a team like the Rochester Rhinos, even? No, nah, I wouldn't say that either because they kind of did no? the same thing as like, Ottawa. You're talking like better. a like a better like just like a better attacking team. A better attacking team. He would be so much better. I think ten goals a year at least. In fact, let's yeah, I mean, like let's if he can hit Louisville as their number nine, he would destroy. 15 to 20 yeah i well it, like you throw him on a team that has anybody i don't want to say besides because i think lance rosenboom is a good player but if you get another guy to give dos santos service cedo is another good mention here yeah cedo forgot about cedo yeah. sorry cedo good point and then I mean, my last thing was to to... no go ahead sorry go ahead I was just going to say, to go back to oh, your no. on GB Fall, he even freaked out like MLS defenses. I mean, look at Columbus <laughs> Crew in there as well. Yeah, it's true. Magic. Columbus made the playoffs. That's all I care. <laughs> Somehow. And uh, what Matt Doyle's saying, don't sleep on them. So maybe they're coming back. Oh, Matt Doyle. Um, anyway, the last thing I wanted Atlanta. to say, Haji Berry, uh, that yeah, dude to man. me passes the eye test. Um, Haji beats. Physicality-wise. So, like, that dude is a – he's a kind of a large guy, which I said he had a long stride, and he's really fast and is a good finisher. He's, he seems to have a motor. So, like, I could see him moving up to the next level, at least subbing yeah. in I, the last um, games in I the near future. Again, biased, I see the most of him out of everybody on the planet about Corey Burke, man. Last, like, month or so, mm. looks so good. Best soccer I've ever seen him play. Um, including a wonderful quote after the game against Pittsburgh where he scored twice, in which he said, as he starts every sentence with, you know, I just kind of get a shot on target and it goes in. (laughs) And that's what he said every time he plays Pittsburgh. He's like, as long as I get it on target, it goes in. And, And you know, every time is a little excessive. It's not exactly true. 
but it's close. That's what I would the say about Seth hit Rudolph, a, hit a too, who was on this yeah. list. And I at least want to mention the one St. Louis player here since I, I'm oh, that ow. guy. But, yeah. I mean, he would be able to get himself. He's fast enough to get himself into a position you didn't think he could get in. And no matter what, almost all the time, if he didn't sky it over the goal, which was a low percentage of the time, probably 30% of the time, uh, he would get it on target at least. And even if it was stopped, like I could walk away. He could run back into defensive position, and I would be giving this guy an applause because I knew he did a good job putting it on goal. There's a lot to be said for just doing that job, especially in USL. And then, uh, and then finally, just just quickly, uh, Coach of the Year, Ryan, you put Mike Jeffries or James O'Connor. Um, At least I'm gonna from have Eastern to agree Conference. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Briggs out in the West for for RS or uh, for Real Monarchs. A former um, Wellington Hammerhead coach as well, since he coached I, us. In I think I think he's I think he's a lock for uh, for Coach of the Year. But um, out of the East, um, uh, it's a toss up. I don't know. I I think. I think I tip O'Connor just because he lost the most out of everybody this season in terms of yeah. big impact players. But if you're going from improvement from last year, you would go with Mike Jeffries turning a yeah. um, number five seeded Charlotte team into one of the more dominant an unstoppable machine. Yes. And but I think overall I have to agree with you on O'Connor. I mean. And yes, Louisville has made two consecutive Eastern Conference Finals, both from the number two seed, and they now have finally earned that number one seed and look to be on the fast track to another East Final mm-hmm. this year mm-hmm. to make it three in a row, third time in their history. So I just feel like O'Connor, like you said, he was able to replace at least the players that left this year and has done a lot with this side. Yep, yep. And and the big the big and I don't think it has an impact on whether or not he wins the award because I think it'll be out before then. But man, I I have to think it has to eat him up that he hasn't won it yet. Yeah. Oh, you know it does. And this has come from it's one a bit of, of the a best hot coaching head staffs in lower divisional soccer. Yep. Nice enough guy when I talked to him, but yeah, he he definitely uh, his referee rant last year was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if you're looking for for a good clip there, um, definitely search that one out. Um, he wasn't the only coach that thought that, by the way. Um, but you good know, to hear. imagine the fine if I told you who that was. Uh, <laughs> or who they are. Um, yeah, guys, any other kind of final thoughts? Oh, hold on, actually. Uh, Ralph's Mob has the best TIFO, maybe, in USL. I don't think anyone really does TIFO, so I'll, I'll give it to him. And then um, <laughs> Harry... does. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, and then Harry, just in case you're wondering, I think San Antonio makes it in at least the second round of the playoffs this year. There's my, there's my Western Conference half second. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, hot take. <laughs> hot, hot take. I was going to say something really final. stupid. Like, I think they, they get second. And then I saw the Reno's up there, and I'm like, that's all right. Um, Reno makes Western Conference final. Yeah, I believe it. Anyway. Um, yeah, and it's, uh, it's RSL. RSL gets the final uh, match against Louisville City or something. That's your, that's your USL final this year. Uh, guys, any any final thoughts on the uh, on the playoff race as it is before we get into the the 30th about week of the season here? I'm excited to see who's going to play who and to be able to talk about and think about you know what 
what qualities each team brings and how they'll match mm-hmm. up with each other, especially in mm-hmm. playoffs. It's, you know, it's, it's magnified a little bit, not just in what we look at, but, you know, the level of play is going to go up because the guys are excited and want that win. So I'm really yeah. excited about the playoffs this I, year. I think, I think a very interesting, and, and just because I talked about Matt, or I talked about Matt, yes, I, I did. I talked about that with Matt, uh, and I, I didn't even think about it. The Rowdies are adjusting from a two-leg playoff system to a one-off playoff system. Mm. I mean, the one-off playoff teams. system just heightens everything in the league. Phil, when 80% of your teams make the playoffs or whatever the hell, <laughs> and you split up your season twice, and there's oh, a... man. Whatever. <laughs> Who are they? Um, antitrust, whatever. There it is. Uh, <laughs> anyway... Um, I don't want to. I don't want to get into it. Uh, it's okay. Everyone else is for us, so you know. It's true. Yeah. If you guys want to find news on the NASL, go anywhere else. <laughs> anywhere I don't, else. Literally. I don't care enough. They know it a little bit. Oh, than Evan, we you're do. talking about it. Clearly, you care. Whatever, man. Fucking the brand of the Only Cosmos. Because we're going to rescue two NASL teams. Can't wait for Bolu and Mickey to come back to the USL. Mm. I'm here for it. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you guys next season. Uh, yeah, Ryan, any, anything else? Any weird stats you have for us before we get out of here? Putting you on the spot, sorry. Going back through the <laughs> forward list, sign up. Uh, as of right now, Corey Herzog slightly edges Enzo Martinez for the most shots in the Eastern Conference this year with 92. Uh, Martinez only has 91 right now. Comes through for me every time. <laughs> the most dependable man in, in, in the, uh, the Carolinas, Ryan Allen. Um, it's good stuff. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this this has been an episode. I don't know which one. Whatever. Lost track. Twenty eight. Ryan says it's twenty eight. Twenty eight works. This has been episode twenty eight of Eastern Conference Confidential. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at ECC Pod. We're also part of the Beautiful Game Networker podcast, which is a bunch of podcasts that post more frequently than this podcast does. Um, so feel free to listen to those guys. I know Phil does that in, in his uh, in his spare time. Mm. Um, as do I, of course. You know, got to get the feel for everybody around the league before you talk about them. Um, Ryan, where can people uh, where can people find you on Twitter? And and if you could please not mention the airport code Wilmington being uh, being ILM, that would be great. <laughs> so you guys can find me on Twitter at ILM underscore Ryan, mainly tweeting about stats and articles from Indomitable City Soccer. Where I write under the same name. If you have any thoughts on the list we have here. Send don't, it my way since I'm the one who created the list. Oh. All right. Well, uh, Phil, if people want to keep it wavy in their daily life and they would like a, a gentleman, uh, a fine gentleman from the St. Louis metropolitan area to do that uh, with or for them, I, I don't know. Uh, where could they do that? Uh, yeah, I can, I'm a calming presence. So if you'd like to come to St. Mm. Louis and keep it wavy with the uh, rolling of the Missouri and Mississippi River, uh, you can Boom. find me at P-H-I-L-L. <laughs> G-R-O-O-M-S, Phil Grooms. And I also run STL Soccer Report in St. Louis. So, The, the, uh, the, the, the storied waves of the Missouri and Mississippi rivers. <laughs> the brown, which you murky, can catch, muddy, you polluted can catch waves. Some really good sh- you can catch some really good waves out there. Shaka, brah. Yeah, brah. Um, the amber waves. Hey, baby, if, if you want to, um, for whatever fucking reason, I always struggle to think why people would want to listen to me more after... Uh, after this podcast, uh, at Valella BSFC, V is in Victor, I L L E L L A BSFC, like the club that I write about. 
Uh, no, I don't stick for soccer. Thank you for coming. Um, <laughs> or uh, Brotherly Game is where I write things. There I do actually stick to soccer. So if you want me to stick to soccer, I guess you can just read things. Uh, I also live tweet games from there, which is exciting because they're verified and I am not. So, you know, nothing like a blue check mark next to everything you tweet. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I covered all of our plugs. So I think we're good to get out of here. Uh, on behalf of the Waviest Man at St. Louis, Phil Grooms, on behalf of the USL uh, Stat Department, they know him as a uh, 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 binary code on the streets of Eastern Carolina University, the mean streets. Uh, Ryan Allen, this has been Evan Malala, and we will uh, we'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>